Hey friends, welcome back to the No Wrong Turns podcast with Audrey Lakeman Hunter. I'm Audrey and I'm your host. I'm so happy that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Every other Tuesday, we have an awesome guest come on and chat about their story and their passions and how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. Subscribe today to the No Wrong Turns pod with Audrey Hickman Hunter on your podcast player app so that you guys will never miss an episode. Hey friends, happy Tuesday. How are you all doing? This summer is flying by for me. My husband and I have been deep into working on our Spanish visas and finalizing our move for Spain. We are excited to finally get there and start experiencing Spanish life and winding down this last month here stateside, as they say, just getting all the final preparations ready to go. Friends, if you are interested in being in a small group setting for listening, discussion, and action work with the main focus being on racial justice, I would invite you to consider joining my book club. Our summer book selection is Biased, Uncovering the Hidden Prejudice that Shapes What We See, Think, and Do by Jennifer L. Eberhardt. If you're interested in joining a conversation, our next book club meeting will be on Tuesday, August 3rd at 7.30 p.m. Chicago time. DM us on our social medias at NoWrongTurnsPod or email us at NoWrongTurnsPod at gmail.com. And you can see the show notes for the link for the book. Listeners, welcome to our 44th episode with my friend Amanda Tregalis. Amanda is a proud Wisconsinite and proud dog mom to her little dog, Gus. We met through a summer missions trip when we went to Brazil and the Bahamas several years ago together. During this episode, Amanda will walk us through her story and how some of her passions have stayed the same and some have shifted. You're for sure going to want to lean in and not miss hearing Amanda's story as she highlights her passions of teaching and sharing Jesus on the daily. No matter if this is your story and you can relate to her or not, I believe that there is something in this episode for you. All right, here's my conversation with Amanda Tregalis. Welcome back to the No Wrong Turns pod. Today on the pod, we have Amanda Tregalis. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Audrey. How are you doing? I'm good. Just chilling. (laughs) Awesome. Do you have anybody near you? I have my little mini golden doodle, Gusha Raymond. Um, Gus for short. But yes, he's laying next to me. He is a cutie. <laughs> I just wanted to give Gus a shout out. Oh, yeah. um, Amanda, besides having a dog, um, can you give the listeners like a 30, 60 second, like kind of um, 30,000 foot view of like who you are, where you are, uh, what you do, some fun facts? Well, you don't have to tell, you don't have to tell us where you, where you are if you don't want. <laughs> um, I'm currently sitting on my couch. Um... Okay. <laughs> But I am 28 years young. I live in Oak Creek, Wisconsin, a suburb of Milwaukee. And I kind of grew up in Oak Creek, even though this is my first year officially living in Oak Creek. Um, I am a daughter to two of the best parents in the world. (laughs) I have a twin sister um, who's married. I have an older brother who's married. 
And they have given me four beautiful nieces. So my favorite title is Auntie at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, my other favorite title is Fiance. Um, shout out to Tim. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we'll be getting married next June, which is really exciting. Not super stressful since we have so long to plan. So it's it's good. Um, I work in Oak Creek as well. I am a sixth through eighth grade English language arts teacher at a personalized learning academy uh, within the school district, which is a new position for me this year, but I've really loved it. And it's just been a great learning opportunity. And a fun fact, kind of a weird fact. Well, it's not weird, but a little bit. My fiance and I met on Bumble, which is not the weird part. But in talking on our first date, we found out that both sets of our parents were both married, then divorced, and remarried to each other. That is a pretty, like, the odds, like, that's pretty crazy. Isn't it weird? So I told him, like, that pattern ends there. Like, we're not going to be the next ones to do that. We're just going to be married. So, but yeah, that's a little about me. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I support that. Um, So Amanda and I are friends outside of the podcast interview in real life. Yes. So that's how I knew the intel on her dog and such. (laughs) Um, So you mentioned that you kind of grew up near Oak Creek um, where you Mm -hmm. are now. Can you kind of give us a little like uh, view into your childhood? What was it like for you like growing up and um, any hobbies or special interests or passions that that you had? Yeah, so uh, I actually grew up in Milwaukee. We lived in Milwaukee from when I was born till about seventh grade. And that was honestly my favorite part of growing up. We lived in a duplex, so it was my family, and then my nan and papa, or my grandma and grandpa, lived upstairs from us, which now looking back that they're both not here with us anymore, I think is just something that I'm really thankful for, that as a kid, I think I'm just, you know, I think that everyone grew up with their grandparents, but now I know how special that was. So I'm really thankful for that, and my aunt and uncle and their family actually lived around the corner as well, so family has always just been really close and still is. Um, So I'm really thankful for that upbringing, Um, especially in a God-fearing family. I think that that's been something that wasn't like forced on us. It was just something that was what we did. Um, It was never, uh, you need to do this, you need to do that. It was just, hey, God loves you and um, kind of gave it to us as our own Um, thing to you know make choices on especially as we got older but Mm -hmm. my parents were absolutely incredible and are still incredible (laughs) they're not anymore (laughs) sorry mom and dad (laughs) um I still feel like sometimes like they just raised us so well especially having two teenage daughters like the exact same age going through all those things at the same time but um one thing that I'm especially thankful for, especially, especially now as an educator and as someone who has seen the lack of diversity, um, like in the suburbs and things where I live. Mm -hmm. Um, when I was growing up, we went to a public school in Milwaukee and 
I had friends from all different backgrounds. I had teachers of all different backgrounds. Um, I was exposed to so many different cultures. And at the time as a kid, obviously, I wasn't, it's not that I wasn't appreciative of it. I just didn't know that other people didn't have that exposure. Um, And it wasn't until middle school when we moved to the suburbs that it was kind of like turned into, wait, where did, where did the diversity go and where did um, all of that kind of happen? So I'm really thankful for my parents for kind of giving, I think sometimes Milwaukee gets a bad rap for being a very segregated city, which it is, um, but there's really good parts of it too. Um, But also as a kid, I think what shaped me the most to be an educator is I love talking. (laughs) And I was always the kid at parent-teacher conferences that was told was too social. Um, The teachers loved me. So I don't like the term, but I'm sure they would call me the teacher's pet. (laughs) Um, Like now being a teacher, I don't like that term, but I'm sure that that's who I was when I was little. Um, but my teachers in elementary school are the ones who made me want to become a teacher. Um, I still, and I still keep in contact with them now, which is like crazy to think about just because it's been so long. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm just so grateful for their guidance in, um, challenging me as a student, um, because. I mean, school kind of did come easy, but I was always challenged or always had something to do, which was nice. Um, And the teachers like invested in us outside of school as well. So like they would come to, I played a lot of sports in elementary school, like volleyball and basketball and softball. So they would like come to our sport games and things like that. So like seeing those things, I feel like you don't see as often anymore. So I'm very grateful for those teachers who invested in me because I knew that I would want to do that for someone one day. That's awesome. So when you were in high school, what Mm -hmm. were some of the, the things that like were catching your attention? Was it the same kind of like sports outlets you had when you were younger or were you in different, um, like hobbies and clubs? So in high school, I, was in Oak Creek. Um, I had moved out of Milwaukee and it's a lot more competitive in the sports. Not saying that I wasn't good enough, but I was not good enough. (laughs) Um, I remember I went to like the first two days of volleyball tryouts for high school and like I could not walk the next day. So I was like, I don't think this is going to be good for me. Um, Especially if that's just the tryout. It was insane absolutely insane but I was okay with that like I mean I loved sports um I still love like watching sports and playing them like for fun but Mm -hmm. I was okay with it not being my life where I felt like in high school like it had to be your life or you weren't going to be successful in it um so I kind of opted more for the socialize with as many people as you can (laughs) I was like actually thinking about high school I was talking about it with my eighth graders the other day because they're like what was high school like and I was like I don't know like that just seems (laughs) so long ago 
Um, but I do remember that I had like a lot of different groups of friends. Mm -hmm. Not that I was like, I wasn't different in any of those groups. I was still like who I am, Mm -hmm. but I had my two best friends who are still two of my best friends, Shelby and Kelly Mars from um, eighth grade. So I had met them. We were all new in eighth grade to our schools. So it was kind of like we bound together and didn't separate at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had like a, a group of people who kind of just, we just hung out with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I still had like my volleyball friends from middle school that I played with. So I would still hang out with them. Um, I had some friends from church who, uh, I mean, Shelby was included in that as well, but Mm -hmm. I had some friends from church that I would talk to or, um, whatever it was, or just, I feel like we all have those people, like you're just friends with them in your class. Like if you don't have any of your, you know, like if you don't have any of your other friends, you have your in-class friends. So I feel like I yeah, had yeah. those too. The you know? ones you like partner up with. You're like, oh yes. yeah, we'll help each other out. We'll or like, you got my notes. I got your notes. You're going to be sick tomorrow. I got you. Whatever it is. Totally. Um, so I feel like high school wasn't very monumental mm-hmm. in like any hobbies or anything like that it did show me that I did not want to be a high school teacher. Um, That's important. Narrow that yes. Down. Because all through, all through schooling, I knew I want to be a teacher. That's it. There was literally nothing else on my radar. I never had anything else on my radar. Um, and going through middle school and high school, I was like, I cannot be a middle school or high school teacher. Not I'm a middle school teacher, but Um, I just feel like through high school is more of just finding who I am and then just sticking to it. Because I feel like in high school, a lot of the struggle comes from trying to figure out who you are and trying to figure out where you fit in. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, and luckily, I've never really had a problem with confidence. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was not very, I mean, luckily I don't feel like high school is very challenging for me, but, um, yeah, it was just a good, like social experience. I feel like. Awesome. So in your senior year, what were you thinking for your next steps? Did you know that you for sure wanted to go to college or were you thinking about taking a year off? Did you even have any idea? Um, you mentioned, um, knowing that you wanted to be a teacher coming from, your elementary school teachers Mm -hmm. um but did you did you know that for sure were you kind of contemplating between a couple different things yeah so uh, I never wavered from being a teacher I guess I just I knew that I didn't love love any subject enough to teach that all day so I feel like that kind of narrowed it down to being an elementary teacher Mm -hmm. so uh, I uh, was looking, I wasn't even looking at like big colleges. Um, Both of my parents didn't attend university. So I, the only exposure that I had to that was my older brother. Um, And he loved college. So I was like, you know, I think, well, obviously I need to go to a four-year school to be a teacher. I knew that. Right. Um, But at the time I was big on 
saving money. And I say at the time because now I just love to spend it. Uh, (laughs) But I was like, you know, I've heard of like some people going to a tech school and getting Mm -hmm. like their core credits done um, and then going to a four year from there when they need to. So that was my Mm -hmm. plan the whole time. I was going to go to METC, which is Milwaukee Area Technical College, just to get my core credits, save some money, Mm -hmm. live at home. I was working at TJ Maxx at the time. A Max is that when you became a Maxinista? Oh, yes. A Maxinista fashionista. <laughs> so uh, I wasn't really making that much money because I was spending it. But spending it all? <laughs> um, I was like, you know, I can work, still live at home, save some money. So that was my plan the whole time. Um, mm-hmm. But then my sister was touring University of Wisconsin Whitewater Um, and she was going for education as well which is another fun fact both my siblings are teachers as well Um, actually which is kind of weird because really no one else in our family is education but all three of us are and uh, she was going to tour UW Whitewater which is like in the middle of nowhere and that wasn't even like the biggest problem for me it was just that it smelled like and what it, it smelled like farm like it just smelled <laughs> like on your way out there all you see is farm it's about like I would say 45 50 minutes north east of Milwaukee okay and there's really not that much around it so I didn't really understand why people were going to go here, but we got there and I saw the campus and it was like just absolutely gorgeous. Mm. It was like small enough, but big enough. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like you'd get lost, but you still feel like you're at college. Yeah. Um, So after the tour, my sister's like, oh, I can't wait to apply. And then, you know what? I think I'm going to apply too. So I did. And then, um, I got it and my sister didn't. Ako taco. <laughs> Very ako taco. Um, so that's how I ended up at UW Whitewater. So it was never really planned, but it just kind of all fell into place. Awesome. Yeah. So once you started, was it just like a major in education then? Yeah. So my major was, it's technically MCEA, which is middle childhood, early early adolescence. Okay. Um, so my licensure is teaching grades one through eight. Okay. Um, and then I have two minors. Well, one of them, it was just Spanish at first mm-hmm. um, because I had so many credits from high school that I just had to take two classes and I had my minor. Um, and then later on in my college career, I ended up adding English as a second language as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was something that was very prevalent. Um, and it was a new program to UW Whitewater. Like it was just a couple years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up adding that at like towards the end of my career. Awesome. Yeah. So during your college years, was there anything that kind of like marked you or like kind of like affirmed your passion mm-hmm. um, for education? Um, or like developed any new passions? So uh, I think going to Whitewater really 
put into my lap the fact that my faith was my own, which doesn't seem like it connects to education in any way. Mm -hmm. Um, But being away from my family and being away from like my home church, um, which is the Salvation Army, there's not that many Salvation Army is very close to Whitewater. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had to take it into my own hands to figure out you know, where am I going to get spiritually fed? Where am I going to continue to grow in my faith? And like, what is next for me? And I think going to college changed that for me because I was just very much in a routine of like Wednesdays, we'll go to church and do some activities, sing or whatever. Sunday, we'll go to church, listen to the sermon, all that kind of stuff. And it was, and, you know, read your Bible daily, do Bible study. Today's episode sponsor is from Molly J. Wilkinson's new book, French Pastry Made Simple, foolproof recipes for eclairs, tarts, and macaroons, and more. Unleash your inner pastry chef with Molly Wilkinson's approachable recipes for all of your French favorites. Trained at Le Cordon Bleu in Paris, Molly takes most of the essential techniques and makes them easy for home bakers, resulting in a collection of simple, key recipes that open the world of pastry. With friendly, detailed detailed directions with brilliant shortcuts that you can skip the whole pastry shop and enjoy a delicious homemade creation. Master base recipes like 30-minute puff pastry, decadent chocolate ganache, and fail-safe citrus curds. And you're on your way to making dozens of iconic French treats. You'll feel like a pro when whipping up some gorgeous trays of madeleines and decorating a stunning array of cream puffs and eclairs, along with the classics like the Frenchman's chocolate mousse and profiteroles. Learn to assemble an exquisite showstoppers, such as caramel mousse tartlets and poached pears and ginger. This go-to guide shows you all the tips and tricks you need to impress your guests and have fun with French pastry. You can find her new book link in the show notes. Today's episode is brought to you by Omeo. Omeo is a travel booking platform that makes planning a journey in Europe and North America effortless. Just enter your travel details and Omeo will magically give you all of the train, bus, flight, and ferry options for your journey. It's never been simpler to book your first real vacation in 2021. Best of all, using Omeo saves you time and money. That's a win-win in our books. Omeo wants to help you leave your house this summer by offering up a 5% off discount for your next booking. Just head to omeo.com and use the code OMIO5, the number, at checkout. Valid until July 31st for New Year's users on all modes of transportation. It's an easy picking up that 2021 really needs. Omeo, plan, book, and love the journey. Terms and conditions apply. You can see the show notes for the Omeo link. All right, back to Amanda's story. So I think one of the biggest things that happened for me in college was making my faith my own. Um, because now that I was on my own, it wasn't my parents choice to have me go to church with them, you know, on Wednesdays going to sing in the choir and then 
Sundays going to hear the sermons and doing Bible studies or devotions each day. There wasn't anyone there to hold me accountable anymore. It was all up to me. So at that point, it kind of forced me in a good way to get involved in different things on campus. So I joined InterVarsity, which was a faith group on campus with other college students and joined like a women's Bible study, which was great. Um, and found a church in Whitewater as well, but I still didn't feel completely, um, whole in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, there still felt like there was something missing that, um, I felt like God was trying to like push me in a, in a new direction that I didn't really know what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, so during my freshman year of college, I was told by a friend in the Salvation Army about a program in the summer called Summer Mission Teams, um, which I know that Chris Shea was on your podcast. Yeah, she was episode um, two. Yes. Shout out to Chris Shea. Love her. <laughs> Great woman. Such an amazing mentor. Um, and I was approached by um, – my pastor at the time who said, you know, like this could be a great opportunity for you. They send people on mission trips around the world, sometimes just in the U S as well. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's for young adults. Maybe you should just apply for it. And at this time I hadn't really left the Midwest except to go to Florida, like for spring break. Yeah. That's just Um, like lower Midwest. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty much all the Midwesterners, like on spring break, we all just travel together to Florida. Exactly. And then we all come back together. Um, So me thinking about traveling the world, like made me so excited in a way that I just, I just hadn't thought about it before. Um, My family, like I said, our biggest adventure was like Florida. um, Mm. And that was just kind of how my parents were as well. Not that they wouldn't want to travel the world, but it just wasn't something that as a family of five, we were really doing on a regular basis or ever. Um, (laughs) So they convinced me, my pastors at the time convinced me to apply. um, And my sister also applied and I got accepted and was told that I was going to India. And I mean, as an 18 year old and the first time leaving the country going on like a 24 hour flight was insane but it was absolutely incredible and I think just pushing myself out of my comfort zone Mm -hmm. and finding um like that inner voice of what God is pushing me to do instead of like my plan for myself Mm -hmm. um, was something that that summer really solidified um, because I was, I was a planner. Like I had planned to go to MATC and then go on to a four-year college. But once I was introduced to Whitewater, that didn't work out either. But Mm -hmm. now looking back, I know it all worked exactly how it was supposed to. Um, But through those years at Whitewater, um, education was still always a big passion of mine. So Mm -hmm. then, um, spending the summers going on mission trips was kind of where those two passions collided. 
um, because not only was I able to go and tell people about God or to see other people from the Salvation Army around the world, I was also able to teach whether it was in a Sunday school mm-hmm. or just at schools in other countries or even the people on a team um, teaching them how to communicate or what not to do or what to yeah. do and things like that. It was always a learning process that I wasn't expecting, but right. then by the end of it, I was very thankful for, which I know we can, you know, really celebrate our time together because <laughs> that's how we met. Yes. Um, so I'm really thankful for um, those summers that I had. So I went to India in 2011 Wow, that was I 10 went, years ago. Isn't that crazy? Oh my old? goodness. <laughs> I feel old. I feel old. Because now, this is a little like, it's not off topic, but now I teach seventh grade geography as well as my English language arts classes. Mm-hmm. And we're currently learning about like India and Asian countries and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I went to India a couple of years ago. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, it was 10 years ago. Like these guys were just toddlers. <laughs> like not, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And I'm like, wow, that's insane. So like when I think back to like 18 year old me going to India, I'm just like, holy cow. Like I wonder what like 28 year old me would be like in India, you know? So it's just. It's just really weird to think about, but yeah. Um, after that, I did take a year off um, because my dad had gotten sick. Um, he had stage four cancer, which was very um, a trying time, especially as a college student, not being yeah. at home. Um, I think having this like mountaintop like very like high experience of going to India for I think it was like seven weeks or so and getting to experience this beautiful culture with all these different people and coming back and like going back to school within just a couple weeks um I almost felt like I wasn't doing enough anymore Um, because you go from doing stuff like every day to help other people. And then when I came back, I felt like I just wasn't doing enough. Mm -hmm. And then I would say like three months after I got back from India, about three months is when I found out that my dad had stage four cancer. So then it was just kind of like blow after blow Mm -hmm. where I'm like, okay, was like, why is this happening? And like, I just had this amazing experience. I had never felt closer to God. I never felt more like I was fulfilling a purpose or pursuing a passion. And then now it's like crashing down really hard. And I remember having conversations with my dad as he's like going through like chemo and like all these treatments and all this stuff. And I just always remember him saying, we never know what God's plan is. We just have to be obedient and ready for it. Mm -hmm. Um, So like being able to be open to being ready for whatever is next Mm -hmm. was something that I really struggled with. I found out, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, and I think like everyone struggles with that. 
Um, A lot of us like to be in control and plan our lives as much as we can. Um, But then having to give that all up or seeing that we're not in control is just something that people struggle with. Um, So I think especially um, as my dad was going through treatments and things like that, the opportunity to apply for summer missions team came up again but it was in 2013. So I took off like two years um, because I just kind of felt, you know, like even though my dad's going through these things, I know he's like, okay for right now. And he would always tell me like, you're not a doctor. So like, you can't help me. So you might as well go do God's work. And like, he always just had like, you're not like, what are you going to do? He was like, not that I don't want you here, but like, what are you going to do here? Mm -hmm. And, um, so I went to Suriname in 2013, which is in South America. Mm -hmm. I didn't know where it was until I was told that I was going there. Do a quick Google. Yeah. Oh, okay. There it is. Um, which Suriname was a rough, um, summer, Shout out to Team Suriname if you're listening to this. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. It was a rough summer. Um, But looking back on it, it taught so many things. And it's just one Mm -hmm. of those things where it's like, how am I going to get out of this? When is this going to end? But again, it was just like another learning experience. And after that summer... um, I was still like in my teaching classes. I was like fully in my education program at that point. So it was pretty rigorous. It was a lot of um, tests to get into the college of education and then tests to get certified and studying for tests. And I honestly just felt like when I came back from the mission trips, I just like put those behind me and then went into school mode. Mm -hmm. And, um, one thing that I didn't learn until later on was like, my missions can't stop when I come back home. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think like one thing that is a struggle sometimes is, you know, I feel really comfortable talking to anybody And I feel really comfortable going into situations that I'm like not used to. Um, But when I come back home, I just like go right back into my routine. So like feeling that I'm not fulfilling a purpose or like my mission work is just overseas Mm -hmm. was like a really bad like thought process. Um, So actually after Suriname, I kind of had like, an epiphany like that aha moment right of like I can still do things here mm-hmm. like I don't need to be like out in a third world country or out in a foreign country or even a different state or a different county sometimes it feels like yeah like I can do it wherever I'm at mm-hmm. um so then that's actually when I added the ESL component to my degree um, because I wanted to work in an urban area Mm -hmm. um, and I also wanted to be able to like help those who were learning English as a second language Mm -hmm. um, because one 
I already think they're better than me, no matter who they are, because they know at least one more language than I do. Right. Um, and I just felt like a calling to do that, to be in these urban schools. Um, and then also to work with those who have already, they might have things stacked against them. So mm-hmm. I didn't want English to be another barrier. Right. Um, so that's, kind of how the missions and the education collided um, to become something that I wanted to pursue even more. That's awesome. So at that time when you, um, like around 2013, I guess Mm -hmm. is where we are, were, had you graduated from college yet or where were you on that front? Not yet. So I was, let's see, a junior in college. I graduated okay. in 2015. Gotcha. Um, and I had a super senior year um, because I had added the ESL component. So I had to do like another semester of student teaching gotcha. on top of student teaching. So it kind of extended a little bit, but it was worth it. Um, so then in 2014, we got to go to Brazil, Bahamas. That's where we met, I feel like. So, um, which was another great experience. So still being able to be a part of the missions programs in the summer Mm -hmm. um, was kind of a great way to still have that big program as a part of my life, but then also have the day-to-day missions of, Mm -hmm. I felt like my education classes were preparing me for what I felt like was like my life mission, which was educating students, um, which is like a work in itself. Um, Anyone who has any idea of like who teachers are, what they do. um, If you know anyone who's a teacher, you know that it's not just teaching them in the text, what's in the textbook. Um, So like you have, well, I feel like to be a good teacher you have to have a passion for it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it has to be your mission to want to better people's lives, Um, which going on mission trips, not only am I feeling like I'm going to help other people, but I always came out a better person from them, um, which I think I loved the most, which people don't expect. I feel like a lot of people sometimes go in with the mentality of, I'm here to serve them. I'm going to make their life better, Um, which 99.9% of the time, they're a lot happier than I am. And then I get a lot out of it, you know? So, um, so then I had a year left, lots of tests to take. Um, So in Wisconsin, um, you have to do three tests. They're called the Praxis tests Mm -hmm. um, to get certified. I actually had to do another one to get certified to teach ESL. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you have to take a reading test. And now, thank God this happened after I was a teacher. Now you have to do like a whole digital recording of your teachings. You have to like annotate like a narrative about lessons you taught. It's insane. So I didn't have to do that part, thankfully. Um, But it's a lot of work. So I finally graduated in May of 
2015 with my degree. Awesome. So after you graduated, did you know what you were going to do for your next step? Did you have a job lined up or were you thinking of taking um, some time off just to kind of Mm -hmm. um, focus on being an adult or trying (laughs) out another job? What were you thinking? So honestly, um, I was not, I feel like I wasn't really prepared for adulthood. I, um, I remember like my first resume and now I like cringe thinking about it. Um, but I didn't really have a lot like set up, but at the time my brother was working at a um, private Catholic school in Milwaukee, um, but it was a choice school. So a lot of the low-income students um, got to go there for free and get a private school education. Okay. Um, so there was a couple times during college that I went and like observed him. He's a PE teacher, but he would like pair me up with like a third grade teacher, or a fifth grade teacher, Mm-hmm. And let me kind of observe for the day just to see kind of how their school went. And one thing that I absolutely loved was the fact that not only were they teaching like the academic part of it, mm-hmm. um, but they got to talk about God. And I never really like had thought about that before of something that I wanted. But then once I kind of got a taste of it, that's where I wanted to go. So when I graduated, I um, applied to a couple different choice schools in Milwaukee, um, but all of them were either were either Catholic, um, which I'm not Catholic, but um, I was still able to kind of like teach about God and also use, you know, like Jesus is watching you as a behavior management skill. <laughs> Um, so having those kinds of things was kind of important to me. So I ended up interviewing at a couple schools and I started my career as a third grade teacher in Milwaukee, um, at a choice school. And I was like, I found it. I found my place. This is what I want. Um, I never really thought that I would leave. Yeah. But I also didn't think that I would ever want to do anything else, like I said before. Right. Um, but, you know, things change. Things change. <laughs> that, if there's one thing in life, that's for sure. Is change happens. <laughs> yes. Whether you're ready for it or not. Yeah. Um, so I taught third grade for two years there. Um, and after my first year there, I was actually uh, asked to lead a team to Kenya in that summer. Um, So I ended up doing that and it was a pretty good experience. Um, I had a lot of, um, I felt like I had a lot of growing up to do Mm -hmm. um, because I felt like I'm in charge of these people now. Right. And I have to tell like these young adults 
like what's expected of them. I have to keep them in line where like I used to be the person that I could just do what I wanted because I wasn't the team leader. And they're also um, a little bit older than third graders. Yes. So going from third graders and seeing different like behaviors and things, it's like, okay, you're third graders. But then having like a range of, I want to say it was like 18 to 22 year olds, maybe Mm -hmm. Um, having to almost like mother them was something where I was like, you know, I don't think this is for me anymore. Um, You know, I, I loved going to Kenya. I loved doing the missions part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but not, I I feel like this is going to sound bad, but I don't mean it in a bad way at all, but going with a group of random people that I did not choose, Mm -hmm. um, and people that I don't know where they're at spiritually. I don't know where, like what level of independence they have, um, it just felt tiring to me at that point. So I was like, you know, I don't know if this summer missions team thing is for me anymore. Right. Um, which was kind of heartbreaking for me just because I was, I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, hey listeners, some of you may have heard a big part of my story on how I started this podcast. During my day job, I get to listen to podcasts all day long. The ones I really enjoy are the ones that encompass someone's story and their passions. Since I'm an avid podcast listener, I wanted to start sharing some podcasts and podcast episodes that I've really enjoyed because I think you will as well. This week, I wanted to highlight both a podcast I enjoy and a book of liturgies that I that's new to me that I'm enjoying as well. This comes in the form of Annie F. Downs' podcast called That Sounds Fun in episode 289 with Douglas McClubby, the author of Every Moment Holy. In this episode, Annie and Douglas have an honest conversation about the power of written down prayers and the need for a prayer in grief and how to create something that will outlast you. This is a beautiful conversation that I think you will love. You can see the link in the show notes. All right, back to Amanda's story. But I remember like coming back that summer, I was like, I don't know about this anymore. Um, so I really thought about, you know, what, what does missions look like for me? Um, because I don't think it looks like SMT anymore. And that's where I really like focused on what I was doing in my day to day with education. Mm -hmm. Um, especially working in a private, uh, Christian school, I could still talk about God and it wasn't, I realized I was focusing on the students the most, Mm -hmm. which obviously as a teacher, that's my priority. Um, but I was missing out on all the adult interaction that I wasn't being intentional about. Um, you know, like being able to talk to coworkers about life in general, you know, I think sometimes we just get so used to being in a routine of, okay, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to do my work. Then I'm going to go home from work and not thinking about being intentional about time even if it's just passing in the hall or in the break room, whatever it was. Um, So I ended up looking at that point more at how can I make my daily work like my new mission? Right. Um, Instead of like always having to have this big idea of what 
my mission would look like. Like I just wanted to make it more intentional and more of a day-to-day thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was my first couple of years of teaching. Um, but now I'm in my sixth year. Yeah. And it's been a whirlwind, Audrey. It's been <laughs> crazy. I think everyone, I mean, I guess I shouldn't speak for everybody, but I went into my first job saying, you know, this is where I want to be forever. I love these people. I love these kids. I love this grade level. Um, I stayed there for two years and then there was a lot of kind of like turmoil within like the administration Mm -hmm. and a lot of teachers leaving and things like that. And I'm like, this feels like a sinking ship. I'm going to leave now. Um, So I ended up getting a new job teaching fifth grade at a school that was crazy. (laughs) And I don't say that lightly. I, um, I think you remember the time that I was at the school and it was just a couple months. Like, honestly, it feel like, I feel like it took years off my life, but I literally worked at the school for a couple months and it was urban, which is what I wanted. It was a Christian school, which is what I wanted. Um, it was with fifth graders, which was kind of like my golden age. I really loved like the third grade through fifth grade age range. So I'm like, this is going to be perfect. And it was awful. Absolutely awful. And at that point was the only time where I was like, is this what my life is going to be like? Like, is this what, like, this is what I've had in my head of what I've wanted. And now it's here and I hate it. I hate every second of it. And I was like, really worried. Like, am I doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. Am I even in the right field? Like if I was really doing this for the kids, I should be able to show up and do my job every day. Um, But I couldn't. Mm -hmm. So I ended up leaving, which I still can't believe I quit without having another job. Because at this point I had my own apartment and I was like, I got bills to pay, but I wasn't even thinking about that. Adult life. Those bills don't stop. (laughs) They don't. Bills, bills, bills. So uh, I was like, I can't be here. Like I knew for my mental health and I knew that if I ever wanted to be an educator again or stay an educator, I had to leave. Mm. Um, so it just so happened that at my brother's school, they were losing an art teacher. Mm-hmm. I am not an art teacher. You're not. I, I'm not, believe it or not. I am artsy, but I'm not an art teacher, but, um, They had an opening and it was a K-4 through second grade building. That's it. And I had never worked with any children. I mean, I'd worked with children (laughs) in my life, but I had never, I had never taught um, any grade lower than third grade at that point. Mm -hmm. So I was terrified. First of all, teaching art. Second of all, to (laughs) four-year-olds, I was like. I don't know if I can do this. And it ended up being the best job. Honestly, still probably my favorite position that I've had. Wow. Um, yeah. And I love my job now, but like, it was a beautiful, <laughs> this is going to sound so materialistic. It was a beautiful room with a beautiful view of like downtown <laughs> Milwaukee. It had like a little lofted area. 
Um, my brother was the gym teacher. So like he was literally next door. Mm -hmm. Um, and him and I got to do like interventions together. So like we'd pull small groups, we would have lunch together every day. Um, he would take naps up in my loft area sometimes. That's hilarious. So like, it was just such a great place and, um, shout out to the St. Anthony Familia because, they got me through like the toughest times in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, they were able to like create positions. The principal who was there at the time, um, I'm going to name her Brandy Hart because shout out to you, Brandy Hart. What a MVP because, um, when I was going through a tough time in my life and I had like quit St. Anthony's she created a job for me to come back to. And she's like, you know, like we're here. We love you. Whenever you're ready to start working again, like I will make a job for you. Um, so like being a part of a community like that, um, I felt like I had like felt fulfilled in a mission Mm -hmm. and like being able to find somewhere where I felt so comfortable, where I felt like I was doing something that I was like called to do. Um, Later on, I got to become the music teacher for part of the time as well. Um, But then I spent my last year there um, as a kindergarten teacher Mm -hmm. and just being able to be with these people for almost three and a half years um, was something that God knew I needed. Um, because I would not have made it through those years without them. Um, I'm getting emotional, which is weird, but, (laughs) but, um, I think just being able to be comfortable and be like, almost like safe at, um, this place where like God had called me to nothing that I planned for again. Um, but I was like fulfilling a mission and he put me where I needed to be. So it was something that I'm still so thankful for. Um, and just, it sounds weird, but I miss it a lot, Mm -hmm. which I know, I don't know why. Well, I do know why I left, but, um, I ended up leaving this year. Um, because I felt like I was becoming too comfortable, um, where like, I wasn't feeling challenged as an educator anymore. Hmm. Um, and I also felt like sometimes, I don't know if you ever feel this way, but sometimes I feel like a big, like push from God or like a big pull from God, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was like, get out you're too comfortable Hmm. um which was weird because I loved I loved my St. Anthony's family you didn't Um, want to get out I didn't and I didn't even start looking for a job because I was like I don't want to leave I'm not leaving um but then at the end of the summer of 2020 oh what a rough year being a teacher during COVID being anything during COVID is hard like anyone during COVID is like you're living you're great 
it's hard, but um, being a virtual kindergarten teacher during COVID was, I think, one of the hardest things I had to do, but one of the, like, funniest things I think I've ever experienced. (laughs) Um, But at the end of summer of 2020, I was approached, actually, by my sister-in-law, who works in the Oak Creek Franklin School District, um, about a position that was opening up at a personalized learning academy. Um, And it was for an English language arts teacher, and it was for middle school. And I hadn't taught middle school. Well, middle school in Wisconsin is sixth to eighth grade. I know it's like different sometimes in districts and things like that. Yeah. Um, But I hadn't done middle school since my student teaching. So uh, one, I was slightly intimidated. Mm-hmm. Two, I didn't know if I knew language arts enough to be able to teach it. Yeah, so that's I'm just for like sure. grammar. Yes, I'm just like, do I know the rules of like commas or semicolons or whatever? And then I'm like thinking, what's the difference between APA format and MLA format? And they like, get are into these that things in middle school? They don't. But these were the things that were like running <laughs> through my head, and I'm like, I don't think I'm qualified. Um, but I ended up interviewing and I didn't, I didn't tell anyone at my, at St. Anthony's, um, because I still think I was in denial. Like, I'm not going to leave you guys. Like, don't worry. I'm not going to leave. I'm just entertaining this idea. Um, but then I remember like talking with my family about it and well, my boyfriend at the time, he's now my fiance, but I just Mm -hmm. remember like talking about like, you know, I got, I ended up getting offered the job and I honestly took a couple days to say like, you know, I really have to think about this because I love my job. Um, and I didn't want to be one of those people who like tries to find like where the grass is greener and then it ends up being not greener. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't want to be one of those people. So I took a while to think about it, but then I ended up thinking about it in a way of this is just kind of like a new mission mm. of, you know, comfortable in your private school because you can openly talk about your faith and right. you can talk to your kids about God and you can talk to your coworkers about God and you can kind of, you know, comfort in ways that is different because it's a private school. Um, so moving into public schools, um, that's not as accepted. So I saw it as like a new way for me to be challenged, not only as a teacher, Mm -hmm. because now I'm teaching three grade levels, um, instead of just like one grade level. Right. So challenged as a teacher, but then also in my faith and in this mission, because I can't just openly talk to my kids about God. Mm-hmm. And I can't just openly talk to my coworkers about it. Um, like I literally have to show with my life mm-hmm. who God is and like why I'm different as a Christian or like not even just as a Christian, but just as like a good human being, like what, what are my actions and words telling other people? So like having that as like kind of a motivator as like, okay, here's your new challenge Right. Um, was actually the reason why I moved into the public setting. Um, 
I mean, the pay was a lot better too. So that <laughs> how, <laughs> um, but like the, I mean, looking into the future of like a family eventually and like later on, obviously retirement, everything <laughs> in, a just, years. <laughs> in a couple of years, you know, um, everything just kind of like started making sense as like, this is a career move instead of just a job move. Right. Um, where like now I'm uncomfortable in a good way where like I'm being challenged. Um, I feel like I could stay where I'm at for life, like for my career. Um, but I also thought about your first job too. I did. (laughs) You're right. So check in in a couple years and we'll see where we're at. We'll do. Um, but it's just been kind of one of those things where I think this whole like 2020, 2021 year is weird and it's been like a little off-putting and almost like unsteady, but like this new thing in my life, which is huge, um, has felt like comforting, even though it's uncomfortable. So it's really weird. Um, it's been a weird kind of like challenge and process. Um, but I do feel, even though I said it my first year of teaching, um, I feel like I'm where I'm going to be for my career. Um, I don't, even though missions is something that I love and support Mm -hmm. and will always support and will always tell people to pursue, you know, like overseas missions and things like that. Um, I don't think that it's like a career move for me anymore. Um, I don't think that it's, I think I was trying to make it a career move because I liked the feeling of how I felt overseas and how I felt in those moments. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think I was humbled by the fact that like God just saying, you don't have to have these big moments. Like you can literally do it in your day to day. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think like having those two things collide in the best way possible has been the thing that has just like made me who I am. And I'm really grateful for it. That's awesome. So you found in your like passion, pursuing your passion of teaching, you found that you're also pursuing your passion of missions and telling people about Jesus, whether that's through um, your words or your actions. Yeah, definitely. And I think that it's been something that has been hard to, it was hard to swallow. I think like the first, I don't know, a couple months of realizing, you know, like, maybe you're not meant to be overseas all the time and maybe you should just be doing it in your day to day. Um, but now I'm really grateful for it because I think that it has not only helped me as an educator, but it has helped with like all the different relationships I've had with students or coworkers or friends or strangers or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's really helped with that. All right, I'm going to pivot and ask you about if somebody is listening to this and they have um, heard you chat about your passions for teaching and for missions, for telling people about Jesus, um, what, and they're thinking, they're kind of like resonating with your story and they're interested in learning um, more um, about uh, either of those two and what it would look like. Um, for them to pursue that in their life, what would you suggest um, to them for either resources or maybe for next steps? 
Um, I think for education, the biggest thing that I can say is to just keep going. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that especially in college before getting into like the college of education where like the classes are more, um, structured to what you're actually going to experience as a teacher Mm -hmm. I think it just feels very long sometimes and it feels a little bit like oh my gosh am I actually going to have to do all this every day um no you won't have to do 20 page lesson plans like they make you do in college I literally write down maybe 10 words per lesson plan now so um that's obviously not the biggest thing but I think when thinking about is teaching the profession that you want to do. Um, Think about it not only as being a teacher, but some days you're going to have to be like the mom. Some days you're going to have to be the hairstylist. I did a lot of people's hair. Um, Sometimes you're going to have to be um, the comforter. Sometimes you're going to have to be, you know, like the, the therapist, the social worker, whatever it is. Um, I think going into education, being ready to wear different hats is something that sometimes you're not prepared for. Mm -hmm. Um, and then like, especially in the first couple of years can be very tiring. Um, but I think especially for starting to pursue education, I mean, outside of COVID times, I would say go visit schools mm-hmm. um, and see if you can like, you know, volunteer in a classroom or, um, I mean, now you could pop into Zoom calls and see how those are going um, in virtual learning, but just kind of like dipping your toes into an actual school setting. Um, because I know, I know a lot of people who would like go into the education field and say, oh, well, I'm really good at kids, like with kids Right. when they like worked at a summer camp or they babysat like twice a month for two hours or whatever it is. Right. And it's like, okay, but can you handle 30 kids at a time with like 20 different needs and still teach what you need to teach? So just trying to prepare yourself for Mm -hmm. being ready for what's going to be thrown at you. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us each week to listen to our awesome guests as they come on and chat about their story and their passions and how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. I am so humbled and honored that you would choose to download and listen to these conversations every other week through inviting me into your earbuds, your car, your Alexas, your Google Homes, wherever you listen. Thank you so much. I am so grateful for you. Could you do me a favor? If you have not already, could you please subscribe to the podcast, whichever podcast player app that you're listening to us on today? If you're subscribed, thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. It makes a huge difference. I also would love it if you would share this episode with a friend. I find about so many different shows through recommendations from friends. Maybe some of you have found out about this show through a friend sharing it with you. Lastly, would you please leave a rating or review on whichever podcast player app you're listening to us on? Thank you so much. I know these things may seem really small, like subscribing, sharing the show, leaving a rating or review, but they make a huge difference to new listeners finding the No Wrong Turns pod. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here, for listening, and for cheering on the No Wrong Turns pod. Thank you for subscribing, sharing, and reviewing the show. All right, back to Amanda's story. All right, we have one final question for you. 
And that is a question we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is fueling you today? What is fueling your passion? This could be anything from a new TV show that you found on um, Netflix or something, or a new coffee order, or, I don't know, um, something you found at Hobby Lobby, because I know you frequent there. Um, So what is fueling you today? What is fueling your passion? I think I have two, if that's allowed. So the first one would be um, my hand lettering kind of like side biz. So being able to find an outlet um, to kind of like unwind, but also to be able to like integrate that into my teaching has been a lot of fun. Um, And then the second one I think would be finding fun, corny, cheesy series like on Netflix. So totally. I am obsessed with the circle. So the social media game, um, it's very, you'll just get sucked in and watch all the episodes right away. Um, but then also beauty and the baker, it'll make you cringe. That is, I I have watched this one as yes. I'm halfway through, so don't spoil anything, (laughs) but it definitely at moments are totally cringe, but then other moments I'm literally laughing out loud. Did you find the same? Yes, it is so, uh, it's so bad, but so good. Like it's so bad that it's good. Um, so I definitely, I think having those outlets to be able to unwind, but also mm-hmm. like keep things kind of light, um, right. have been kind of my saving grace, especially this past year of like virtual and hybrid and asynchronous and synchronous learning. Mm-hmm. Just all these words I never want to hear again. So it's been those are definitely fueling me at this point. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and about your passions. Yes. Um, and just, uh, yeah, just sharing with us. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad it finally worked out um, to finally talk about things. So it's been really good. Thank you. Awesome. Friends, that was an awesome conversation with Amanda. One area that I really liked was how she explained how her passions for mission, her passion for missions changed and morphed into a passion for simply sharing Jesus in her everyday life. Amanda did a great job at explaining how her passion for missions, she was actually able to kind of dig in and identify specifically what she loves so much about that passion and then transfer it into her everyday life. I hope you were all encouraged today from Amanda's story and her passions. My prayer is that you would consider what God has for you and what he might be leading you to. All right, you can see the show notes for our music credits. During this episode, Amanda mentioned a few guests that we previously had on the No Returns pod. She mentioned Chris Shea from episode two and Shelby Thompson from episode 10. Those episodes are linked in the show notes as well. All right, guys, enjoy your week. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And I will see you back here next time with Katie Casada, a storytelling coach. Hey friends, you have just listened to the No Return's Turns pod with Audrey Lickman Hunter. I'm Audrey and I'm your host, and I'm so happy that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are bringing you new shows every other Tuesday, and we have an awesome guest to come and chat about their story and their passions and how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. Subscribe today to the No Wrong Turns pod with Audrey Thickman Hunter on your podcast player app so you will never miss an episode. All right. Bye, guys. See you next time.